Welcome to the Classical U podcast. I'm Jesse Hake. I'm the director at Classical U. Classical U is a subsidiary of Classical Academic Press, a curriculum and monograph publishing company. At Classical U, we provide training for teachers and parents interested in learning more about classical education, how to deliver this method in your classrooms, in your homes. I mostly spend time talking with presenters and live learning event guests, and we look forward to sharing more with you as you tune in. Thank you. Karen, thanks so much for agreeing to do a second episode, podcast episode together, as we focus particularly on your uh, work with a project that's underway. Uh, Everyone should watch for dates with the Tournament of Laurels as providing a complement, additional uh, opportunities for students, uh, somewhat in line with the Junior Classical League. And... um, Um, enriching experiences for students that have such a great reputation. Uh, The Junior Classical League is something you've you've enjoyed and been blessed by. Um, Can you start by sharing some of your own uh, experiences with that, ways in which you see that as a blessing to students um, over your years as an educator? Absolutely. So in our last session together, we discussed that I started becoming involved with Latin in seventh grade. And that's at the same time that I started to become in the National Junior Classical League, which is the the younger version of that. And it it's a time of just such happy memories for me as a student. So when I became a teacher, I immediately, both at Regents and later at Grace Academy, established a Latin club and, and took students to participate in JCL conventions, the area state and even the national level. The the beauty of this is students coming together from various schools and with JCL, you see see public schools, private schools, homeschool, families. JCL's done a great job of making wide open the door for that. Coming together to enjoy Latin together. And I know to some people that might sound a little (laughs) bit odd. For our school at Grace Academy, our Latin club was up and running and competing and winning awards before we had a single athletic team. So for our veteran students Mm -hmm. who are alumni, I should say, um, the joke is that Latin was our first sport. (laughs) But it was a time of camaraderie, right? It's Mm -hmm. it's the same idea as athletic team in some sense that you're coming together to accomplish goals together and to interact with other students from other schools, from other places around the city, around the state, around the nation, to celebrate or to compete in, to work together in, to wrestle together with in a, a common familiar subject. Yep. And and that was Latin. And that of course spawned things outside the competitions. We had Christmas caroling parties. We would build gingerbread construction replicas of ancient works like the Pantheon and the Colosseum at uh, at Thanksgiving time for the local library contest. We had our own, you know, little club parties and outings. So it gave rise to a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And something that God has designed us for is community. Mm-hmm. Our students need community. And they need community not only within their own school, something to to create that band of brothers sense, yeah. but also even to see beyond their school. And I think that's incredibly important for our classical Christian students and their movement mm-hmm. because because they're in a private school that their ch- parents have chosen to put them in, and especially because in many cases Latin is a required element, not something yep. they chose, 
sometimes you can, when you get to the doldrums, it's I'm the only one. Mm -hmm. My parents are making me do this. Nobody else understands. I'm yeah. kind of getting into an Eeyore tone here, but that's yeah. that's kind yeah. of how some of them will fall into at yeah. times, even if they enjoy it. Yep. I think sometimes you feel that way. And so what I found was that coming together as students, it was, oh, wow, I see them doing like things and enjoying like things, and we can now share in these shared experiences together. Yeah. And so for many, many years, I have really had a dream to create something similar for classical Christian schools, not because I didn't love what JCL was doing, but because we're a different creature, if you will. Yeah. And I wanted to provide an environment that would allow for the exploration of ecclesiastical texts, of Christian history texts, or Christian-related yeah. uh, texts, not to the exclusion of Virgil and Cicero. I love those guys, yeah. and I want to continue to study Virgil and Cicero. I also, especially after the degree I've just pursued, I really want to extend past Virgil, Cicero, and their cohorts down into the late antique period and the medieval period. You wow. know, in, in my manuscript study, I came across one of St. Columba addressing a Loch Ness monster. <laughs> How fun is that? Yeah. But yep. that's way beyond Cicero and Virgil. And I think students would be delighted by that, mm -hmm. which is, you know, are some projects I'm working on uh, with CAP and at in my own school, is bringing medieval into the Latin curriculum more. So again, it's about embracing our Christian tradition that's in writing. Yeah. It's about embracing the late antique and the medieval writings. And then again, these students with this shared experience of this classical Christian organization who have things like thesis and logic and rhetoric, we need something for them. You and I go to wonderful conferences every summer in which we reconnect with old friends and we yeah. discuss all these things that we're teaching, these shared experiences. I want the same thing for our students. Mm -hmm. You've mentioned some of the distinctives, uh, you know, uh, over against uh, JCL. Um, it sounds like the focus on um, a longer period of, mm -hmm. you know, uh, the history of the use of Latin, um, bringing in uh, our Christian heritage and being able to talk uh, in Christian terms um, about that. Um, for those who aren't as familiar with, uh, you know, with this concept, um, growing up, you know, loving Latin from seventh grade and competing as a student and then leading, uh, leading your own classes, um, sketch out a little bit, um, you know, some of the, the types of competition, sure. the types of events, um, just to lay of the land, uh, particularly in the um, the league that you're that you're developing, mm -hmm. yeah. Now that's that's a great question. So to cast a little bit of a vision of what's still in process, there are going to be some similarities and also some very differences from other student conventions that they might have attended. There are certainly there are the, the academic tests you will sometimes see that focus on things like etymology, reading comprehension, these kind of things. And these are all actually detailed on the website, which is on the Institute for Classical Languages. If you go to instituteforclassicallanguages.org, I believe, then you can find all the information there. But um, in a nutshell, so we have those academic ones. We will also have some that I call bards and orators, where students are memorizing passages, mm -hmm. um, some prose, some poetry, and presenting them in an appropriate manner with the appropriate amount of dramatic flair, mm -hmm. depending upon the category. I should also mention, as I, I go into talking about the bards and the orators, that 
you can either participate in Latin or Greek, which is another distinction. Mm -hmm. So, for example, Paul's address on Mars Hill, I think, is a fantastic speech, and we mm -hmm. could do that from the Greek New Testament. Wow. So that's that's one of the pieces that we're actually looking at, including hint, hint. Um, then going beyond that, I think we need to go beyond written text. We need to explore things physically. We need to explore things with beauty. We talk a lot about truth, beauty, and goodness in classical education. So we'll have the fine arts. We will have, as I mentioned earlier, just a love for art with several artists in my family. We will have an art competition, but tied to specific phrases, specific themes. One of the things I like to do in my classes is bring art in by showing them Peter Paul Rubin's Quos Ego and saying, how does this interpret the storm scene in Aeneid 1? Mm -hmm. So I want to do the reverse of that and give students a passage such as the Quos Ego scene mm -hmm. or perhaps a scene from Pyramus and Thisbe and say, how would you interpret this yeah. in your chosen medium? Yeah. For um, theater, I would love to see theater competitions. I think that's a great way to do things, but we'll keep it to the traditional, the classical tradition, and keep it to teams of three. Mm -hmm. That's They had three actors, and those actors played every role. Mm -hmm. And again, you need to tie it to a specific classical work. It, it will not be a free-for-all. And then same thing with music. To, to sing the Latin songs. Certainly, we'll also have outside the competition, and these are just a few that I'm sketching out. Outside the competition, we want to have times just for fellowship, mm -hmm. perhaps movie nights, um, perhaps sand volleyball, have times to just hang together, yeah. if you will. And then I've actually chosen to host this at the Houston Christian University because I know the amazing professors they have there in the Honors College and in the School of Christian Thought. And so like what you and I experience when we go to a teacher conference, I want to have times to embrace lifelong learning. So optional seminars for students in topics and sessions that I think would be engaging to mm -hmm. them. And Houston Christian University has been so overwhelmingly positive in their reception of this idea and enthusiastic that I really just cannot wait to see what's happening there. And I think it will be a wonderful, wonderful event for our students to come together to enjoy fellowship, to enjoy celebrating classical education, specifically with the classical languages, and also to begin to see a vision for what education looks like beyond 12th grade. Mm -hmm. I want to expose them to some of these wonderful universities we have around the country that are very friendly to embracing of the great text tradition and the classical Christian education tradition. And for students to start to see that, uh, see, I think we all need that vision of what comes next, what do I get to aim for? Mm -hmm. What um, grade levels would, be, uh, would this be serving? At this point in time, it will just be high school. Mm -hmm. I, I believe very much in starting small and doing mm -hmm. something excellently and then growing from beyond mm -hmm. that. So I could certainly see extending to middle school someday possibly, but I, I want to start with high school mm -hmm. as we start to form this new event and shape it into something that will benefit this particular you know mode of learning in these, mm -hmm. these students. And would this be the objective of uh, an event once a year that would be kind of a culminating event for activities going on in the in the life of the school at this point in time it is an annual event that stands by itself mm -hmm. i hope that as for my students 
the conventions inspired the idea of other things they could do at their school mm-hmm. and around their community, that this will do the same thing. Mm-hmm. The students will be ignited by this, excited by this. The competitions will be posted this fall. So it's something that teachers could even work into their classroom mm-hmm. should they choose to do so, that students could work on together outside of class should they choose to do so. And hopefully it spawns wonderful ideas for crazy things they can do with the love of Latin and Greek and classical mm-hmm. languages and all this great literature that we read in and around their community. Mm-hmm. And I will leave those parameters to their imaginations and their teachers' willingness. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. That's exciting uh, to hear about. Um, you know, I, I'm thinking back to many wonderful experiences as a teacher myself where we had opportunities to get together with other schools that kind of sense that you were talking about with the Eeyore, you know, experience mm-hmm. that, that we all uh, have, students certainly have from time to time, where you just kind of get a breath of fresh air when you realize you're not the only one. You know, there are other schools and uh, and you get good, teachers get good ideas from each other, uh, all of that. Um, do you have a sense, uh, you know, I know it's still in the planning stages, but um, of the time of year, uh, the length of time, for, for these uh, sure. annual events? We're looking at July of 2024, and we're looking at about a three to four day period depending upon your travel schedule. So for example, students would register and arrive on Wednesday, and then Thursday, Friday would be competitions, and Saturday would be celebratory concluding ceremonies and things like that. All of this would be at the university. And I I should also add that part of the beauty of doing this at a university in the summer is that we will have use of the dormitories. And so it really becomes kind of like classics camp Mm -hmm. because we can all we don't go back to our own hotels at the end of the day. We all stay on campus Mm -hmm. together and we room together and we eat together and we fellowship together and we compete together Mm -hmm. and we enjoy classics together. Um, will there be any qualifications, limitations on the types of institutions, schools, uh, you know, a homeschool co-op versus a five-day-a-week kind of brick-and-mortar school, a charter classical schools versus uh, faith-based independent? Do Certainly. you have a sense of some of those options? Obviously, this is going to be a faith-based event. Mm-hmm. And so I want to make sure that students, teachers, parents realize that up front. And with it being a faith-based event, there are expectations that are befitting a, a classical Christian event, mm-hmm. correct? But at that same time, I want to open the doors for classical students. Certainly, I'm targeting classical Christian schools, mm-hmm. classical Christian homeschools. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm tar- uh, I'm certainly opening the door. I know there are many charter schools that while they don't have their Christian in their name, they are very much in line with our mission and vision. Mm -hmm. And I would welcome those students as well. That's great. So um, as long as the organization was comfortable with uh, the strong uh, celebratory, you know, Christian uh, aspects to uh, to your life together in the event, that would be fine. And and homeschoolers, like an individual, even Mm -hmm. if they're not connected, Uh, students could register directly. Absolutely. So the beauty of this event is that you can come together as a team. You can also be an individual. Although I would also encourage the individuals if there's a way to network them Mm -hmm. so they can come together and be part of a team. I think Mm -hmm. that would be ideal. And that's something that we're working on. To look for options in their area, whether it's maybe Mm -hmm. plugging into a school or or a homeschool organization. Great. Absolutely. so let's go back. You talked about some of the stories from your own uh, teaching career. Um, 
and some of the ways in which you create a community for your school. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the standout um, events, you know, as a teacher, either within your own classroom or you know, some of those events sounded like really uh, beyond the classroom. You know, they were community events or school-wide events. Um, but what stood out to you? Um, how, <clears throat> how did you come up with the idea of what? Um, you know, what kind of planning went into it? I'm really thinking here of teachers listening, uh, you know, sharing a couple mm-hmm. of events that stood out to you as just um, especially meaningful at multiple layers. What did it take to pull them off? What made them, you know, what made them so valuable? I think a lot of that is just keeping eyes and ears open to the interests of the students and the opportunities around your community. Mm-hmm. So the one that stands out as a beloved favorite for me personally, and I know it was for our students as well, I mentioned earlier, was our gingerbread competitions. And that rose out of, first, there's something about competition, Jesse, that just ignites our students, right? Mm -hmm. It can be more powerful than a grade (laughs) or a transcript. But if I can beat somebody at something, (laughs) I want to go test my mettle. So... Our Georgetown Community Library used to have a gingerbread house. And I think they actually stopped calling it gingerbread house, and they just called it gingerbread extravaganza (laughs) because they they had house. But if you looked at the the rules, it didn't say anything about it having to be a house. So we started – well – I have to confess, the first one was me trying to do this by myself. And there's a lesson in this, too. We can Mm. all learn from Karen's failings. (laughs) So me trying with my students to put together a little model of a Roman townhouse. Mm -hmm. And I was trying – I won't even take up your time with the details. It was a good first effort. Let's just say (laughs) that. And one of the parents – her name is Lacey. Lacey's daughter was in my class. And Lacey, who had a degree in child psychology, and so she knew how to talk to a teacher, (laughs) and she never said one critical word. She just said, you know, if you'd like to do this next year, I actually decorate cakes, and I do gingerbread things at my house, and I'd be happy to help you. And in my head, I'm like, that was very polite, very diplomatically done. Note to self, we're calling Lacey. And she is still one of my dearest friends. Mm -hmm. So, Lacey, thank you again. Um, So the next year, she's trying to come up with an idea, and I said, okay, Lacey, what do you you think? And she says, the Coliseum. I'm like, whoa, wait, wait. Really? The Coliseum? (laughs) We're going from my... Muddled, my muddled townhouse <laughs> to the Coliseum. And she said, nope. She says, I found a template for a football stadium. And she said, that's really what the col- – the football stadiums mm-hmm. are based on the Coliseum. Yeah. So there's a wonderful lesson yeah. in that too. Yeah. Yeah. So she retooled. And so every year, Lacey and I would get together. We would pitch some ideas, and Lacey would figure out how to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And so I'd say that's the number one key, Right. Whatever, whatever, and this is really a key for life. Whatever position of leadership God puts you in, go find the people who will help you work out excellence because Mm -hmm. you cannot be perfect in every area. Mm -hmm. And I was certainly (laughs) not a culinary expert. And so, what we would do is we would end up having a night at Lacey's house always the day before the build began. We would have a club meeting at Lacey's house, and whoever wanted to was optional would come and we would have multiple mixers 
all around Lacey's kitchen, brought mm-hmm. in from different parents. And Lacey had everything prepped and ready. And we had the students. And this was the key, too. And a, a part of this comes from, from Lacey as well, this idea of you don't want to do it for the students. Mm-hmm. You want the students to do it. Yeah. Yep. So she was very good. And I, I just followed her in this making sure that they knew what to do, what their parameters were, and then we stepped back. We observed, we watched, and when they needed help and they asked for it, we would step in. So we would do a mixing night, and then it would usually be a two-day build, mm-hmm. to, and we would rotate through different classes. So students would come into class. Here's your section. Here's what you're going to do. You are going to be put, putting the icing down and building the tiers. You are going to be decorating the Christmas trees. Here's a secret. We always had Christmas trees. Always. Because, it, first of all, Saturnalia, Christmas, mm-hmm. gingerbread, it was the season. And also because it always gave something to do to empty hands who needed mm-hmm. something to do. Um, but they were they were ice cream cones, upside down sugar cones mm-hmm. decorated with frosting. So we would always do this two-day build. And then after it had hardened, we would take it to the Georgetown Library for display. And then that was also a really neat moment because the students would go back to the library to see their work displayed by everybody else's to vote for their work, which is very important. And then it also became an element of community because we would let the entire school know. The Latin club, which then became the Classics Club when we started teaching Greek, the Classics Club has completed their Pantheon, their Colosseum, their Mm -hmm. Trojan horse, all the different things. And you can go to the library and see it and please vote for us. And so it became a bit of a community thing. The little kids would say, oh, I get to go do that one day. And the the upper school students, they really, really enjoyed that. And of course, we'd work in a little bit about who built it and where it was and what it was for and sneak in those. It's kind of like putting, you know, broccoli somehow in the chocolate smoothie. (laughs) Uh, We would sneak those things in. But that was a very fun, fun, wonderful memory, which unfortunately has discontinued mostly because the library no longer does the contest. So we, mm-hmm. we don't have a place to display yeah, it anymore. the but, venue. But it but was yeah, a wonderful memory. Taking advantage of um, opportunities in your community. I'm sure yes. that showcased your school you know, beautifully as well. It did. I'm happy to say with all humility that we won multiple times. Mm-hmm. So that was it, it was know, a lot of fun. Do you happen to know of anyone who found out about your school because of that, you know, like in the community? Ooh, I, that's I mean, a good I, I would have to think, uh, you know, people were saying, who did this? This right. is, you know, this That's is That's where really, I want to go to yeah, school. Yeah. Um, I don't know that that happened. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it didn't happen, Yeah. but yeah. but I couldn't say. Well, that's fun. Um, so for uh, teachers interested in preparing their students for the kind of uh, traveling, you know, tra- traveling to a competition uh, such as the one you're offering or the, uh, you know, the Junior uh, Classics League, um, what are some resources, uh, books, materials uh, that you might recommend um, for teachers who want to kind of prep students for those kinds of competitive opportunities uh, in their regular classroom activities Mm. and lessons? That's good. Well, first of all, I'd say the purpose of this tournament of laurels, the way Mm -hmm. I'm designing it, is to complement what I already know most classical Christian schools are studying and doing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's the whole point. Yep. I don't want to add to teachers' curriculum. I want to support the curriculum that they already have. Watching and out for Scholae. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't want to add right? more to the plate. Yeah. Watching out for Scholae and also giving you tools to infuse joy mm-hmm. and delight and another type of goal mm-hmm. for it. So, again, I would say watch the website Institute for Classical Languages as 
competitions are crafted and posted, mm-hmm. you'll that will help you know what to look for. But again, it should complement most of what you were doing. Now, there are some things, for example, as I mentioned earlier, that teachers will want to look out for in advance. For example, I mentioned the competition of the bards and the orators, that is poetry mm-hmm. and prose that could be memorized in advance. And so those things would be posted in advance in the fall. And I will I will share a secret. My students were very successful in this in past competitions. And one reason is that I would see what that passage was in the fall mm-hmm. and I would incorporate it into my classical language class. Well, Latin class, because they only had theirs in Latin, um, Latin class throughout the year. Yeah. So it became a class project for my students yeah. because as classical Christian schools, we put great value on memorization and yeah. speaking skills and the art of rhetoric. And if you go back and you look at how Rome trained their great orators, they had to memorize speeches of excellence and deliver them it wasn't about creative writing it wasn't about tell me about your favorite day in the summer it was go look at demosthenes Mm -hmm. go look at cicero memorize his speech and practice delivery Mm -hmm. those are your canons of rhetoric right so that's what we're doing but in short reasonable appropriate pieces so i'd say work that into your curriculum same thing if music teachers if you have a music class and you want to do a latin competition song or a Greek, I don't even know if there are Greek songs. I'm sure there are. There should, I'm sure there are. Um, but if you want to do a play, well, then this is something that perhaps your theater class, music class, I know at the end of the year when the big performances are done, teachers are always looking for, okay, what do I do next to keep them interested? This could be something. Mm-hmm. This could be something where you have these little projects and students come up with their own ideas of how to interpret a work they've already read in your curriculum. Yeah. Because we're intentionally tying everything back to classical Greek and Latin works, right? Mm-hmm. So again, this is designed to help you creatively find ways to support and supplement your curriculum, not to give you something else to add to. Mm-hmm. So when you reference the Latin songs, are there resources for finding those? Are you, uh, is it student compositions? I would not promote student compositions, no. I would say... Look at all the great number of hymns that mm-hmm. we have. That mm-hmm. could certainly be some of them. The uh, you know our, our lessons and carols. We love to do things mm-hmm. like Veni Veni and Adeste Fideles. Yeah. And but it, it doesn't even have to be that. You'd be surprised, Jesse, to see how many songs have already been translated into Latin. Mm-hmm. It's not terribly hard to find. Yeah. Even little booklets for Christmas carols, for example. Tons yeah. of little Christmas carols. And I don't mean Veni Veni, which is kind of a, a carol. But even things like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Frosty the Snowman. So I think you actually would not have a hard time finding those things and making them a fun part of your Latin or Greek routine. Yeah. So you're really thinking of um, a lot of it would be Christian, you know, beautiful uh, traditional Christian music. I mean, when you mention Greek, uh, Kyrie Eleison, there's many Mm -hmm. beautiful uh, musical settings of of that ancient prayer. Yes. Now there is Gaudiamus Igitur, the celebratory graduation song Mm -hmm. we see in Latin. But yes, a lot of it is going to be faith-based. And at this kind of a tournament, we we very much welcome and celebrate that. Wonderful. So... um, Going back to your seventh grade year, well, uh, what what was uh, what jumped out in your experience there? I know you referenced the love of teachers. You know that um, mm-hmm. which you've you've mentioned this uh, in our two podcast episodes a couple of times. But that transfer of um, 
the, the love of the teacher for a subject transferring mm -hmm. to the student uh, as they pick up the love. It's, it's almost as much um, them responding to the teacher's love as they are responding to the subject itself. I think so. Um, but, you know, as a, as a seventh grader in the Latin material itself, what, what jump, can you remember anything back Absolutely. to seventh grade? So I'll, I'll start with middle school and jump to, to high school. In seventh grade, and I cannot tell you exactly what moment it was, because we certainly were not reading original texts in seventh and eighth grade. It suddenly dawned on me at some point in my seventh grade year, if I can learn to read Latin fluently, then I suddenly have a treasure trove of history books, original texts that I can read, not as somebody else interpreted them and translated them, but as the author himself or herself wrote them the words they chose. And that excited me because I loved history. Mm -hmm. And of course, you can kind of see that now play fast forwarding, we won't say how many years, <laughs> to my study at Edinburgh, mm -hmm. where that's what I'm trying to do is yeah. put these pieces together. And so that, I think, captivated my, my mind. And I thought, ooh, this could be absolutely fantastic mm -hmm. to be able to read. And of course, the more I studied, the more I realized just how broad Latin yeah. was in terms of genre and how long it was around yeah. in terms of history and how many authors in all those times and places would have put their stories down in Latin. Yeah. And then, so that kind of started me. Mm -hmm. It jump-started the engine. But I have to give all credit to Susan Fugate, my high school Latin teacher, for really infusing the beauty and the passion I can remember her ninth grade was the hardest year because you get to the subjunctive. It was all the harder things. And I remember her telling us over and over again, stay with me one more year. Stay with me one more year because it's when you read Latin literature that you will really, truly enjoy the beauty of it. Mm -hmm. And she was phenomenal in the way she would bring wonder into a classroom. I can remember at one point in time very clearly there we were reading Catullus's poetry and there was some poem, and forgive me, Mrs. Fugate, I cannot remember which poem it was, but something about Catullus and his little bean pod boat. Mm -hmm. She brought in a great big giant bowl of water and a bunch of bean pods mm. and taught us how to take the peas out and use toothpicks to make little boats and float them around mm -hmm. in the pot so that we would understand yeah. that what the poet was getting at. Yeah. So things like this. It is with Susan Fugate that I went to Rome for the very first time, and we walked around the city. And she would point to things and say, do you remember when we read this together? Mm -hmm. Here it is. Wow. And I remember walking around that city with her and thinking, Lord, I want to do that someday. Mm -hmm. And then in 2016, it was my first time to take students to Italy, which included my eldest son, mm -hmm. and was able to realize that dream. So again, it was... It was also she was she was just a great mentor to me in every way, and I yeah. will get too choked up if I start to talk about <laughs> it any longer. But she was just a phenomenal person who infused not only a love of Latin within mm -hmm. my soul, a love of teaching, a love of literature, and I remember taking Latin from her and saying, "This is not a course in a language. This is a course in world knowledge, mm -hmm. and that is what I have done my best." to infuse into my courses, partly in honor for her and what she did for me, and partly because I just believe it's absolutely what our students need mm -hmm. and what speaks to their soul. That's beautiful. Thank you. Um, 
you know, uh, I'm hearing a gift that you were given in ninth grade, you just mm -hmm. wanted to give it, you know, to someone else. And um, your use of the phrase world knowledge, um, just a kind of confidence and um, a sense of the, the wonder and the breadth, uh, the meaningfulness of uh, <clears throat> the human experience. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks so much. I've appreciated our conversations together. Thank and you so uh, much for having me. It's always such a great joy to be here with you and Team Cap. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Classical U podcast. Please do check out our website, classicalu.com, and our teacher magazine, Altum. We hope you've enjoyed these conversations with presenters and live learning event hosts with Classical Year.